You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. Hi, everybody. This is Corey Minton with The Big Data Beard, and I am pleased to have the gentleman who was the mastermind, the MC behind today's SplunkConf uh, keynote session, Cinder from uh, Splunk. He's the chief product officer. Cinder, welcome to the Big Data Beard podcast. Thank you very much for having me. And welcome to the IoTRV. This is the pretty awesome. <laughs> this is the machine that went two weeks across the country, uh, ending here at Conf a few days ago. I will tell you, I'm going to convince my wife to get an RV somehow, some way. They're pretty fun. Now, I will say they're. Uh, the only problem is, is that you just are constantly in the same place. Like, That's true. You go to a new place and it looks the same inside. That's true. That's but fair. Totally fun. fair. Well, you've got like a microwave. You got a fridge. This is wonderful. Yeah, it's we're nice. we're we're really lucky. My, this was this is like the upper end of I think what RVs are. I think I'd there's see. you could have a much lower end experience. I don't think it would be yeah. quite as much fun. Well, I'm pretty cheap. It might be my lower end experience. <laughs> so. Anyways, exactly. my team will tell you. Yeah. Nice. So. Well, we had the chance to catch up with Doug Mayer. We heard a lot of the exciting things that he was yeah. you know, really excited about. Sure. But but your role is an interesting one because you yeah. get to lead. The, this amazing product from a product perspective. Yes. So yeah. tell me a little bit about what what you were excited about today and what was announced at uh, SplunkConf. Yeah, you know, there's a lot. So yeah. and we only have, you know, whatever amount of time here. However much you uh, want, buddy. However much, great. Right? Okay, well, <laughs> let's go through all of it. Um, no, I, you know, so I've been at Splunk seven years mm -hmm. and everything we did was pump more features into the enterprise product. Mm -hmm. Solving customer problems, certainly, but it was always pump more features in enterprise and enterprise. And we've done more of that this year, certainly to address some some near-term customer pains that have been raised around scalability, around monitoring, et cetera, uh, as well as some features like, like workload management is going to be a huge thing for Absolutely. a ton of large customers. Yep. Um, but I would say the most exciting thing was, I think for the first time in Splunk's history, we've gone above and beyond the stack that is Splunk Enterprise. Yep. And DSP and DFS are the first major elements of that. Like, mm -hmm. it's a completely different tech stack. Yep. And so, yes, we're going to work towards operationalizing that and making it easy for customers. Mm -hmm. But that's a pretty big departure for us. Absolutely. I want, and, I want to pull yeah. that thread a little bit. Yeah, yeah please, yeah. Because when I think about the the two things I took away were data stream processor, data fabric search are massively important. And yep. as you said, they... They go down a different technical route and a different Correct. stack route. So for the folks that don't know what yeah. DSP and which data stream processor and data fabric search, let's start with data stream processor. From sure. your perspective, what problem are you trying to solve and how is Splunk bringing DSP to market? Sure. So a data stream processor is a sort of streaming engine at the end of the day. Um, and it's as horizontal as, as Splunk is. So while you know we are using Kafka underneath the covers to mm -hmm. do some basic ESB work, the actual reality is each of those little boxes that you see are little flink jobs that happen. Okay. So it's actually as horizontal and versatile as, as Splunk typically is. And so the first problem set is we know customers have asked us for being coming, moving, shifting left to being earlier in the data stream. Mm -hmm. And so we said, well, what are the, some of the use cases that, that came up? And so, you know, as much as we talk about technology, we're so use case driven. I beat that into my PMs and the PMs know it well is go solve a customer problem. Everything else goes from there. Mm -hmm. And so, customers care what tools you pick, but at the end of the day, if you don't solve the problem, it doesn't really matter. And so we focus on customer problems. And so with DSP, it was, well, there's a lot of data routing problems out there, a lot of data masking problems, PII, compliance, that was very common across the board. And some of that was being done with our heavyweight forwarder technology, which which works, but it was, it was not, heavyweight forwarders weren't built for that long term. And so we said, how do we sort of rebuild this whole framework? And so we have got a crazy neighbor next to you. Um, it happens at all RV parks. Oh, man. You can poke them with a stick or something. That's right. what you do. Get out of here, uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, so data stream processor was, let's go solve those initial problems. Mm -hmm. 
And so our, our hope and intent is that a lot of the getting data in work that a customer does today mm -hmm. effectively moves to data stream processor. It's probably the first big area. Mm -hmm. The next big area, we're around the sort of data routing, data masking, et cetera. And then third is we do think there's a ton of value on the ML side. Mm -hmm. And so we started that effort already. And and people didn't get that, the how revolutionary what we were doing in the in the ML side, for example. Yeah. That whole like training model release thing, like we're, not, we're sort of jumping ahead. We're like... We don't need to have customers have a ton of data scientists to make ML work. Mm -hmm. Let's make it easy and consumable for, for our customers. Mm -hmm. And that's been a key element of data stream processor. And so again, GDI is a major component getting data in. Yep. Sort of the enterprise service bus is a, the second pillar. And third is really around ML. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even further from that, we were thinking about what about alerting off the stream mm -hmm. and doing some more robust things off the stream. We're going to take us where our customers tell us to go. Absolutely. Not about the technology, but about the problems we solve. Yeah. And there was, I heard there was an acquisition made or announced uh, this right. week with right. uh, Streamlio. Help me understand kind of the basis for that, where that fits into kind of the the vision for how uh, Splunk delivers that more real-time capability. Yeah. So Streamlio, the team at Streamlio, great, super technical team, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, they actually are, are really the innovators around Apache Pulsar. Mm -hmm. And Pulsar is a, it's it's sort of a, I, wouldn't say, I don't know if it's a competitor, but it's a, it's a differentiator from sort of Kafka, for mm -hmm. example. And, you know, they do some certain things and they optimize for certain things differently than Kafka did. Mm -hmm. um, but we liked what they were doing. We liked the technology, but more importantly, we liked the people. Mm -hmm. And very smart, knew the streaming problem very well. And so that whole team is now at, has been added on to our DSP team. Brilliant. So we're going to accelerate our capabilities there far beyond any of the open source stuff. Our goal is, again, value to the customer. And so that's that's going to be the big focus. And I, I suspect they're going to bring a lot of the learnings that they had from the Pulsar technology. Absolutely. They may bring elements of it in. We don't know. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll have to figure that out. But for right now, they're going to think about how do they bring some of those technologies into DSP. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of those, uh, I liked uh, the way Tim Tully categorized the, yeah. the innovation cycle within Splunk that you have the, you can you can buy it, you can yep. build it, and you can invest in it. Yep. And if it sounds like this is a buy methodology where you go get some great talent right. that has a domain expertise with a problem that your customers are facing. Correct. And will help yeah. drive innovation to the product. I like that's the right. story there. Now, the other big component uh, that we heard about now, and obviously Enterprise 8.0 is, a, is a, just in itself a crazy yep. cool announcement. Yeah. But the big one that, that I, we saw a lot of uh, press yeah. about was data fabric search. Correct. So help me understand why data fabric search is important to customers. And as you said, customers kind of focuses first. Yeah. What problem are they solving? Yeah. You know, 20 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago, we probably had all, all of our data was either in relational data stores mm -hmm. or in a data warehouse. Yep. And that was it. There was no notion of data lakes. There was no notion of object stores or JSON stores or you know, blob stores or multimodal databases. Like I can just yeah. go on and on the list mm -hmm. of stuff now. And, and you see it, right? When you go on to AWS, for example, the amount of data engines available to you. It's nuts. It's nuts, right? <laughs> and so the I think that that proliferation was there is there for the right reason. I think mm -hmm. you, you use the right technology for the right problem you have. And again, 15 years ago, you didn't have all this IoT operational data. You have it now. Absolutely. And so the problems, the data problems have changed. And when the data problems change, you need different engines to solve those problems. Mm -hmm. Splunk obviously was built really for time series data. We do that really, really well. We're not an you know you don't drop emails into Splunk. Right. You drop time series data into mm -hmm. Splunk. And so we're starting to recognize that customers are seeing obviously a growth of data, but they're also seeing these engines diversify significantly. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, they've got data sitting over in this engine and that engine, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And all and on top of that, 
All of them have different API calls. Mm -hmm. All of them have different languages. It makes it very complex. Absolutely. And so we said, well, we know this problem is going to get worse, not e not better. And we need a solution for this. We know customers are asking us for this. The most near-term one is around, you know, if you look at security, for example, mm -hmm. customers say, I want to look at all my data in Splunk, but I have a ton of archival data that sits on S3. Mm -hmm. I don't need super high performance, but I might want to do an investigation that's going to go over two years or do something long-term. And I need some good performance off that, but I don't want to put it into Splunk because it's meant to be a more real-time engine. Mm -hmm. And so in that context, DFS has a ton of value. The same is true for large analytical workloads or high cardinality workloads as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Splunk is not, you know, Splunk has a lot of stream, a lot of sort of time series capabilities, but when it comes to high card, high, high cardinality, like billions and billions of unique events, mm -hmm. like DFS is the right, right, right tool for that job. And so um, the, that was the direction we took it. Mm -hmm. And so what we have right now is DFS supports the ability to federate querying across multiple, um, multiple Splunk instances. Mm -hmm. And it actually uses Spark underneath the covers. It's actually fairly quick. In fact, one of our largest customers um, saw like a 95% improvement in query performance. Really? Like it's it's ridiculous. Like stuff that took like hours now takes like a fraction, a few seconds to do. Very cool. So, and, and again, for things that are like high cardinality jobs, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah. And so, uh, so that's been the focus near term. We do intend to support additional data stores over time. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be largely customer driven. So S3 for sure. HDFS is something that us customers have already asked for. Others have said, well, can you support things like relational data stores like Snowflake or others? Mm -hmm. Great. We're, that's on our list. We're going to yeah. go work towards that. And you'll see us iterate. The nice part about that is all under single pane of glass, all using SPL mm -hmm. um, and over time SPL v2, which, we, which you saw earlier today around with SQL as well. And what we actually do is we convert that through our AST to actual predicates underneath the covers to each of the engines. So, really? so we, we, we rewrite to the engines underneath the covers yeah. and we optimize for those engines. So none of that work has to be done by the customer. And then what we actually do is we push the work down to that engine, mm -hmm. let the engine do the work and we take whatever's back. In the case of a data lake, hard to push down engines. There's no engine there. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? But if it's like a relational data store, mm -hmm. we take our SPL, convert it to, to SQL, send it to the SQL engine, let it do what it does best, yep. and then bring back the result and then do the join in Spark. So that's kind of what we do. Interesting. Well, and the other thing that I noticed too was that your team is actively working to make sure that not only are you integrating and using the open source technologies right. that are interesting in the world so that you make that simpler for customers, but you also are, are really being focused on taking the product and making it useful to more people than just really, you know, folks that really understand SPL. Correct. Help me understand Correct. a little bit about what the kind of the vision there was and some of the announcements, because there were some interesting ones today yeah. on making Splunk more useful to more folks. Yeah. So, um, one is certainly mobile. Mm -hmm. Big announcements in yeah. mobile, and and I honestly, Tim, Tim's right. Like we we probably have like one of the most productive, like outcome focused mobile teams I've ever met. Okay, just cranking through like release after release after release. So super proud of those folks. Yeah, and apparently they're very handsome for the keynote <laughs> yeah, today. You know, for the keynote, Jesse was sure to tell yeah, us. How sure to they were. tell us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, and so uh, so they've been pushing out a lot of stuff. Yeah. And they're really pulling us in the mobile direction. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice none of the none of the UI and mobile had SPL, which makes sense. Absolutely. I'll push button, make it easy to use. Mm -hmm. So that I think is a big consumption point. In fact, when most customers come into, you know, when you look at like the user accounts that come into Splunk, a lot of them are, are like looking at a dashboard. They're not really writing SPL. Mm -hmm. right? You and I might be writing SPL. Yeah. But a lot of folks are coming in, I'm looking at the dashboard, making a decision and moving on. Mm -hmm. In those situations, like they don't need to go to Splunk. They can just look at the mobile app, right? Absolutely. So, so we're going to enhance that. So that's a big consumability element. The other big element is um, is around uh, SQL. So, in the Splunk Cloud platform that we introduced, where which is where Mission Control and Investigate run, mm -hmm. 
they actually utilize an updated version of, of SPL. We call it SPL V2. Okay. It's a little stricter. It's more tight. You know, it's very, it's, it's, you know, we added SPL over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. We, we sort of, we, if we started with a clean sheet of paper, we said, what would we do different? And so we've taken, we've taken that and said, where do we see some inconsistencies in the language? Mm-hmm. Let's fix those, number one, which we've done with SPL V2. The other thing we've done is, the bridge from SPL to the actual engine is pure is now through an AST, yeah. um, and that AST allows us to write then different languages. So SQL is a second element. Yeah. So you saw us; you can now embed SQL once you get to a tabular format. Use SQL to sort of query that query that information, which is again super powerful. Absolutely, so that's our second big piece. I saw the yeah, I saw the select statements. I was like, really? You can do that in Splunk now? That's amazing. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's super cool, and, and we're just gonna you know it's just gonna increase if anything. Yeah. You know, we want to make it easy. We think SPL is pretty powerful for for sort of uh, sort of the the time series data that we use. Mm-hmm. As we you know deploy DSP, you're going to see us add likely streaming commands that make mm-hmm. sense in SPL. We have stream sets and other things, but even more so. Um, and then on top of that, we're going to be adding, um, obviously, SQL, as I mentioned. Yeah. And then in this kind of same vein of kind of democratization of what is a really cool set of technologies that you know can drive some outcomes, you also had this idea of the MLTK, the Machine Learning Toolkit, got some updates as well. Yes. That sounded like not only is it tra- it's trying to make data science easier for folks that maybe aren't data scientists. Yes. Walk me through a little bit about the announcements. that jo- It was Josh that was talking about the, yeah, the yeah. MLTK updates. What, yeah. What's exciting to you there for customers? You know, I, again... Customer value, customer value. Like that's a big thing we focus on. So a lot of the advancements on the MLTK side mm-hmm. was really around giving you a better workbench for for doing machine learning within the product. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I truly like it's really about baking in ML into the applications we do. So a lot of the things you see in MLTK are a result of our our solutions, both customers as well as customers via our premium solutions, meaning a SOC analyst or a NOC, a NOC individual says, hey, I need this thing in ITSI or an ES, mm-hmm. and that falls into MLTK because we use MLTK as our ML engine mm-hmm. in both of those products as well. Yep. And so that's a big driver of what happens in ML, um, ML capabilities. And MLTK is just about making it easier and easier to use. I think over time, you know, even MLTK can be complex if you don't know what an outlier cl- classification is or what have you. And so having um, having the premium solutions make that embody that it makes it much easier. You saw us you talk you saw us talk about how ITSI has ML, mm-hmm. how how VictorOps is using ML, Phantom starting to use ML. Like so, we're just baking it into our product. So it's almost like ML just is taken care of on your behalf. You don't need to think about it. So that's really our approach. And machine learning toolkit is sort of the tip of the spear on giving you the most advanced capabilities mm-hmm. for those that want to. Want to get a little dirty with ML? <laughs> That's exactly right. So one of one of the other areas I saw was the uh, the focus on some 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 more enterprise secure kind of capabilities. So things like the role based access controls, right? Really interesting in terms of yes. you know, making it more viable in maybe harder places. Then I also heard an announcement about um, uh, kind of a federal. Uh, something you guys did in terms of yeah, your now, yeah, yeah. you've yeah. achieved some status there. Yes, yes, yes. Which is a big deal. Yeah. So we, uh, so obviously my my team and I run Spunk Cloud as a service, and um, one of the ways, so so U.S. public sector customers, mm-hmm. particularly in the federal government, um, cannot typically subscribe to cloud services mm-hmm. unless they have, you know, they have. I, uh, you know, if you quiz me, I won't know the three-letter acronyms. Oh yeah, but there's a but lot of them. There's a lot of them. <laughs> um, I can tell you that. That yeah. can answer. Um, 
but there are different tiers of cloud services and security. Mm -hmm. And so they have a notion of the, the, the GSA has a notion of what's called FedRAMP and FedRAMP has different levels. And so there's a low, moderate and high. Mm -hmm. And depending on the classification of the data and of the agency and of the work you're doing of the mission, essentially, mm -hmm. you can decide which you make a determination of which level of work that you might want to want to do mm -hmm. or, or, or level of certification that you need from a security perspective. So a lot of our customers in the public sector have said, hey, we, we need you to be FedRAMP moderate, depend, you know, given the data we have in logs and what have you. So we've been going through probably a year now, um, going through what it would take to be FedRAMP moderate status. Mm -hmm. And so we've completely rebuilt the automation architecture on our side, completely rebuilt the, the security profile on our side. It's much more secure from a, you know, like temporary passwords, all that kind of stuff that makes, that makes logical sense. And so we've sort of rebuilt a lot of that and, uh, and have been doing that for the last year. We had our sponsoring agency, which is ITA, International Trade Association, mm -hmm. under the Commerce Department, be our sponsoring agency. Yeah. And so we did work with them in partnership with them. And now they are, um, they are now our, our sponsoring agency, if you will. Yeah. And that went to the, to the, to the GSA PMO, Program Management Office, and they, we got approval about a week and a half ago. That's incredible. Um, and so what that means now is that those customers in the public, uh, in the federal government, that want to think about us for FedRAMP, for cloud services, mm -hmm. will see our FedRAMP moderate status, and then they'll be able to actually come, come and leverage a service. Absolutely. Um, they'll have to do their checks, but but that's usually how it works now. But that also has to have, it has to have some downstream benefit for customers that aren't even federal, but maybe your state, local government. Totally. Having that status has to be a good litmus test to say, like, is this the right kind of platform that meets our needs as well? Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, it's a great point. Um, a lot a lot of people don't know that, so it's very good. It's very, very impressive on your part, Corey. Um, oh, no, go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're a genius. Yeah. I just I, I would flip my hair, but I'll flip yeah. my beard instead. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Um, no, actually, you're right. So, so a lot of state and local agencies say, "Wow, you know, each state is deciding what makes sense for them." Mm -hmm. And so, like the state of Virginia has a different point of view than California does versus Washington. But all of them, generally speaking, are either the same or uh, same as federal and moderate or less. Generally speaking, there's some that are a little bit higher, um, and and so we believe that will help us for those agencies as well. In addition, there are vendors that are providing cloud services toward the end customer, which is the U.S. federal government, mm -hmm. but leveraging Splunk to monitor their cloud service. Yeah, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Those customers also need FedRAMP cloud as oh, well. Oh, really? I wouldn't. Right. Wouldn't so, for, so that. for example, like if you're Joe Enterprise Software Company and you're providing a FedRAMP FedRAMP service to to the U.S. government, they'll say, well, what what third parties are using. And if we're one of those third parties, mm -hmm. such as our cloud cloud service, they'll say, well, that has to be FedRAMP certified ah. because the logging and the auditing of your doing that your, of your service is going into Splunk, right? They're like, yes. Okay, well, that has to be FedRAMP covered too. Awesome. So it helps us cover those customers as well. Well, that's excellent. Well, you talked a lot. One of the things, themes I took away that I, I don't think, one, I didn't see at least in years ago, but definitely see it now is how you all are using the open source technologies, yeah. but integrating them in a way that makes it easier for organizations to adopt those, but they don't actually have to know they adopt them, right? You're using the great research being done. I love that. But one of the stories that always comes out of Splunk, and you've said it oftentimes, customer first, yeah. but it's oftentimes about what is the customer use case. So we saw big announcements around security, IT markets, and then kind of IoT. Yeah. Out of those, like, what are the, what are the big highlights that you're excited about from uh, from a market-focused perspective? Yeah, um... You know, I'm a I'm a really big fan of what what's been happening on the sort of Phantom side. Yeah. Uh, when we started, uh, when we bought Phantom, everyone said, "Wow, you're buying a store product." <laughs> yeah. um, and yep, 
Got it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Security operations, you know, orchestration, all that. Yeah. Um, but one of the reasons we specifically bought Phantom was because the engine itself, the core engine of Phantom is actually fairly horizontal. Mm-hmm. And so today we announced um, now IT content within within Phantom. And the reason that's important is, one, it was able to leverage that investment for multiple use cases. Mm-hmm. But two, a lot of customers have talked about this Nirvana state of how do I go do automation on the IT side. Yeah. We've had automation with, you know, infrastructure level things, but now we're able to take that one step further. And you saw that, in fact, in all the videos you saw today, there was some element of that in sort of leveraging IT content for Phantom Playbooks. And so that's a big piece of that. So I think you'll see us make Phantom a much bigger part of our platform and what we do. And in fact, a lot of the sort of or capabilities, orchestration, automation, remediation, that's actually all in now going to be part of mission control as well to a degree. So that's going to be a big element there as well to automate. And you, you talked about mission control being kind of a cloud software as a service capability. Yes, it's yes. interesting. There was another one called Splunk Investigate that was yes, announced today. Tell me right. a little bit about Splunk, Splunk Investigate. Yeah, it's really focused for for DevOps teams. So we uh, we saw a need where we knew the DevOps teams operated a bit differently and needed a, a solution. You know, when, when often someone consumes enterprise, Splunk Enterprise within an organization, they have a center of excellence, they have a big, big instance, and they have a lot of data that goes in. But oftentimes, organizations may not operate at the same velocity that a mm-hmm. DevOps team may want to operate at. Absolutely. And so the whole notion of investigate was our foray and to say, well, you can now do a credit card purchase, go online, send some data to it, um, and essentially utilize... Um, utilize, go do basic logging and root cause analysis. Mm -hmm. Now, it's really meant for being not an active monitoring solution. It's not like a dashboarding and alerting solution. No, it's It's more back end, right? Yeah, it's really more for incident response. (laughs) That's really the focus. We found that's where DevOps teams want to spend a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And so that's the the focus of the product. So think about it as incident response, uh, ideally targeted for small DevOps teams. Very and over cool. time, we will expand that, but that's our current thinking right now. Yep. And it is actually priced on a on a dollar per user basis. It's not in just basis. Oh, really? Okay. Very yeah, cool. it's a very different. And that's that's been another thing that's come out of this is you know lots of changes to pricing because yes. you're really focusing on customer value. And so yes. I, the, the, we had Doug kind of walk us through some of those. And I, I think that's I think that makes a lot of the work you're doing even more interesting to more enterprises that they can have that flexible consumption. So that's very cool. You know, I've been here seven years. Everyone talks about Splunk pricing, right? It's like, oh my gosh, X Y Z. At the end of the day, I think people should take away, particularly at this comp, particularly from what Doug said yesterday at his keynote, mm-hmm. we're really serious about pricing. And yeah. I think for, for a long time, we said we found different techniques in the sales cycle. Now we're being very serious. Whether it's our prescriptive pricing, mm-hmm. our infrastructure pricing, rapid packages, and frankly, all the new products we announce are not based on ingest pricing. Yeah. So like we're dramatically changing our posture on pricing. And one thing I hope the audience can understand is that like we've shifted the game on this. Mm-hmm. And and if you have a earlier perception of pricing, like I'm in the think again, like go yeah. go talk to a sales rep. It's very very different now. So, Senator, it's been awesome to catch up with you on yeah, yeah. kind of all the cool things that are going on at Splunk from a product perspective. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Pew, pew. All right, Senator, what is the last really great book you read that you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, Llama Llama Red Pajamas. <laughs> How old are your I, children? Uh, four and, and, and six months. So, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, yes. I've got a five and seven year old. Now I've read I would, that book a thousand I, times. I would recommend that book though. So I highly that, recommend yes. it. I love, love it. Now you got to walk on stage today yes. and the music I'm guessing was picked out for you. But if you had a song to pick out to play as you walk onto a big stage, yes. what would that song be? Uh, so I'm a California guy. So yeah. California Love, Tupac. Oh, yep. Good, strong. Yes, That's yes. real strong. Also reflects my age, I guess. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yes. So is there any particular show that you're binging on these days 
So I'm a sci-fi guy. Okay. Much to the chagrin of my wife. Um, <laughs> Join the club. But, yeah, exactly. Um, sweetie, no, let's another. Yeah, no, no. Star Wars is great. Why would you say that? Exactly. <laughs> um, so actually, there's a great show. If your listeners haven't listened, maybe you should you should definitely check it out. It's called The Expanse. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. So I uh, so it was on Sci-Fi at one point. Yeah. And now it's on Amazon yep. on Amazon Prime. And so the first three seasons are on there. The fourth season's coming out in December. Is it really? Okay. So I'm just finishing the last the third season. Yep. But I would say of all the sort of like space sci-fi epics, mm-hmm. like it is it is by far one of the best. Yeah, I've got awesome. went through season one and part of the way through two, and then got yeah. pulled into some of the things. But I, I want to go back to it. it is really season good. three is actually very good. It's sort of a, it's like oh my gosh, and it opens up season four so well. Really yeah. excellent. All right, now it's gonna it's been a crazy week here in Vegas. Yes. But if you had like a spare day in Vegas, yes, to yourself, yes, what would you go do? Oh, that's a hard question. That's a hard question. Honestly, I have never seen a show in Vegas. Really? That I've would be never, a great thing to do. I have not seen any of the shows in Vegas. And I've already heard, heard great things. Yeah. But but we'll see. I'd love to see a show. A show in Vegas. Vegas. I yes. recommend it. Yeah, not like a crazy, like a normal show. No, like, I know. Like, there's well, some so crazy like, shows, but well, like, you know. Doug talked about, he's like, Cirque du Soleil, anything they do, it's wonderful. Right, there you go. I think okay. you should take his advice. It'd be okay, good. Okay, that'd be awesome. Cinder, it's been awesome. Thank you so much awesome. for joining us on the Big Dita Beard Podcast. And thanks for letting us park this crazy RV on the floor of your uh, your expo. Well, thank you for driving all the distances you did. And I am, very, as a follicle challenge person, very jealous of your beard. So, Thanks for listening to the Big Dita Beard Podcast. This amazing adventure would not be possible without our incredible sponsors. We thank you, Dell Technologies, VMware, Red River Technologies, Aero Electronics, and Converging Data for making the road trip to Splunk.conf 2019 possible. And be sure to smash that thumbs up button so we can keep the episodes coming. Until next time, keep being awesome.